this episode comes with a language warning. Hillary is, like me, a fan of swearing and spreading it around like seasoning in her conversation. So we clicked pretty much instantly. And God, has she got some brilliant ideas to share with you about the re-wearing, repurposing and repeating of your outfits, both for the wedding, before and even after. The Hillendale owner and designer creates wedding attire with a focus on feminism, sustainable fashion and body neutrality. And so she is a perfect fit for the Unbridly podcast. And I think you're going to love her no-nonsense straight talk. Today, Hillary will teach you the one big question you want to ask yourself before you even start thinking about designing or shopping for your wedding outfit. Some key points to consider when you're arranging deliveries or working out where your wedding flowers or food leftovers are going after your celebrations are over. And why you can maybe skip buying those bridal pumps and get something that you really want. And stay listening to the end for Hillary's thoughts on how the Australian wedding industry stacks up against the rest of the world. Let's get stuck into this. Unbridely is a community of pro-wedding vendors who believe in freedom and integrity in weddings, giving you options, solutions, tips and tricks to create the experience and memories that you and your fiancé really want and deserve. Because we believe that weddings are a team sport. With how-tos, stories and interviews with recently married couples, we find out what went right and what they'd change if they could go back and do it all over again. I'm Camille and welcome to the Unbridly podcast. Hi, Hilary. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Because we were just having a little chat before I pressed record and you have confessed to me already that you are a naturally sweary person. Yes, I'm very sweary. Uh, (laughs) I've always been that way. I didn't like unleash it in adulthood when I was like allowed to. I've always, I've always sworn, cussed, like even in front of my parents, in front of my family. And uh, just as we were saying before, I think that, um, there are other words that are, you know, more casually tossed up actually like confetti in many of our societies that are a lot more offensive than the casual, you know, F-bomb. So don't say F-bomb, Hillary, please. <laughs> F-bomb. I've already, Fuck it I've already messed it up. I, so, well, here's the thing. It's like, you know, some people try to swear, like my partner tries to swear and it sounds so unnatural coming out of his mouth. I'm like, just stop. But for me, when I try to censor it, it sounds like so awkward and so uh, unnatural. So, yes. And this is what we like, Hillary, especially at Unbridely, because the whole fucking idea is that we're able to express ourselves freely, easily, naturally, without having to censor what we think, what we feel, what we're wearing, which gets down to you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about your journey as a fashion designer and founder of Hillendale. I think my interest in design really came out of necessity, you know, in like middle school and high school, I couldn't afford like the newest, coolest thing. And so I would just try to go in my closet and figure out ways that I can sort of repurpose the things that I had, or, you know, if I had outgrown something or if there was like a hole or a stain, how could I, um, you know, make it look like this obvious modification, right? To make it look cool. So I was always interested in fashion and 
when I moved to New York about 14 years ago, I went to Parsons and learned, you know, all of the real rules and all of the techniques that I needed to become a fashion designer. And I started out in the industry, like many people do, big fashion houses and um, small companies and freelancing and working for different people. And I just kind of got to the point where I felt like if I'm hustling this hard for other people, I might as well be doing it for myself. And I really focused on freelancing and, and doing bridal. It was something that I always really loved. And I officially launched my uh, company in the fall of 2019, although I've been designing bridal for about eight or nine years before that. So it really just came out of this desire to work the way that I want. And this custom model really provides that for me, like as a designer and as a business person, but also being able to create for women the way that I want to is kind of like not only ingrained in the business model, but just kind of like the ethos of my, of my company. I was digging through your LinkedIn um, profile. Oh, God. I know, I know. And I don't know if you actually put it up or a publicist put it up. I'm really not sure. But what I noticed is one of your very first jobs was as an intern for Oscar de la Renta. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And of course, he is famous for, um, you know, suiting and formal wear and all that sort of stuff, especially for American first ladies. So, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, mm -hmm. Nancy Reagan, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, but also um, Amal Clooney's bridal wear mm -hmm. when she mm -hmm. got married to George Clooney. Like you must have been young and you're in this massive fashion house. Do you have any recollections of that time? Oh, I, I think of that time so fondly. And I actually recently reconnected with a friend who we met while interns there and she is now a bridal designer in the UK. She came back to New York for a project that I assisted her on. And we were just like reflecting on our time there and how magical it was and how special it was. And like, I could romanticize it all day. It was such an incredible experience. Um, I felt incredibly lucky to be a design intern there because experiences that friends of mine had that they were very separate from the designers but um as interns we were really included we were really hands-on we got to see and create a lot of things um for the shows and it was just such an incredible process you know and I can only assume that they are still doing things similarly now because the people who are like, you know, the head designers of the studio that were like under Oscar are now the um, co-creative directors. And they really are running things in a way where design comes first and experimentation comes first and details and the customer, their muse, like comes first. And so that was just like a really beautiful thing to be a part of. But that also sounds, Hillary, like that really fit in with your personal ethos so, like, it really connected you to the whole idea of the, yeah, experimentation of um, putting the customer first, all those sort of ideals. And I know, and what we want to have a little bit of a chat about today is about your leanings towards environmental and social challenges with wedding fashion and 
being a little more sustainable and things like that. Can you share a little bit about what you see with some of the, yeah, social challenges with wedding wear? I mean, I guess I would say socially. I mean, there are a lot of challenges. You just had somebody on the podcast who was talking about how size inclusivity is a really tough thing in the wedding industry and in the fashion industry at large. Options are really limited. I have people sliding into my DMs talking to me all the time about past experiences of of um, shopping and feeling like entire industries want to pretend that the majority of at least the U.S. population doesn't exist. So that's obviously an issue. Environmentally, I want to say... I think that like the fashion industry and the clothing industry is one of the highest polluting on our planet and being sustainable as sustainable as possible and eco-friendly as possible is super important to me. But I also want to preface that I completely recognize that it is the fossil fuel industry that is driving, you know, this problem for our planet. It's not my brides buying and, you know, wearing something one time. However, I feel like we as individuals and people uh, within the industry can make small changes that, however small their impact, um, can be meaningful and I think help us to all just live in a more intentional way. Mm. So I feel that way personally. I always say that anytime you're going to create something that's going to take up space in the world, whether you know it's a business or, or a piece of art, is that you have responsibility over that space. And mm. so... I think it's really important that I try to like work that out through my company as well as in my personal life. Yeah, for sure, Hillary. And again, it comes down to your ethos, your values. What do you stand for? What are you doing when you're at home? Are you making a difference? You know, how do you feel good about yourself and your choices? And I think, yeah, taking personal responsibility for whatever tiny, tiny part of the world that you take up. Like, surely, if that's not the first step, then I don't know what the fuck is. Do you know? Right. So, like, absolutely. Can you, like, share? Do you have any, like, sustainable materials or practices, or, you know, how do you do that at Hillendale? So, the way that I've set up my business is, like I was saying, out of necessity, but it also just happens to be sustainable and it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation. So, because I work with clients one on one and create custom garments, I'm not housing inventory that I'm hoping is going to sell. I'm not investing in bulk orders of fabric that I'm having to commission from a mill to produce and like hold on to. So I'm only buying the exact amount of material that I need for projects. I also source exclusively in New York. I'm very lucky to be in New York City where we have an incredible garment district. And fabric vendors that have been here for generations that I can work with um, to touch and feel the materials that I'm buying versus buying something off of the sample that I'm having shipped in, right? So Mm. creating things in that teeny tiny quantity, but I'm also expanding that through the capsule collection that I have on my website currently. It's just a line of skirts, but I'm hoping to um, expand on that and those garments are still made to measure and they're made to order. So only the samples exist. So that garment doesn't exist until somebody orders it. I take the money from that order to purchase the materials and I still am making them one-on-one. So 
when it comes to the materials, of course, I recognize that resources are finite and I'm only buying what I need. Mm. But I'm also trying to be conscious of the actual fibers that I'm working with. One, as a designer, as a little snob, uh, I really only prefer to work with natural fibers. I prefer to wear natural fibers as well. Hillary, like I understand that. Like, okay, I'm I'm a real novice when it comes to fabrics design, things like that. And I understand intellectually, natural fibers are better environmentally, better for your body and stuff. But can you actually explain why? Absolutely. So, one, just the way that it feels when you're wearing natural fibers. They just feel more comfortable on the body. Synthetic fibers like polyester are literally plastic. And so when you're wearing something like that and you're sweating, you're going to be a lot hotter. Like when you're wearing something like cotton, it's going to literally remove the sweat from your body and wick it away from your body, keeping you cool. There's definitely some techie synthetics out there that people are developing and recycling from synthetics or a combo of synthetics and natural fibers that are really interesting. But the other thing about natural fibers is that they can be created in an organic way where synthetic fibers cannot. And organic materials just at their core require less water and they don't use pesticides. So we're not having like harmful runoff into our waterways Mm. and affecting animals and our agriculture. So there's just so many benefits to it. Things like that, of course, also are more expensive. It makes sense for a luxury item to be made in things like that or for small businesses to be doing limited runs in them. Mm. I prefer the way they feel on my body. I prefer working with them. And I also just like think they're the best. So that's that's why (laughs) I I work with it as well. Yeah. (laughs) Also, natural fibers are biodegradable in a way that synthetics are not. So just like the plastic toothbrush that you had when you were three years old is still in a landfill somewhere, the polyester clothing that you decide you didn't want anymore and get, you know, tossed out, which I can talk all about, is still sitting intact somewhere. Wow. I don't know why, but just talking about the plastic toothbrush from when I was three, still sitting there. Like that, I don't know why that hit home, but it really did. I was saying wedding attire. You, I've noticed you say bride, you say bridal. And I was saying to you just before we started that I read somewhere that you were talking about the term bride, bridal. You don't consider it particularly gendered, do you? Is that correct? I think of bridal more as an aesthetic than as something that is specifically gendered. I think of it the way I think of the word chef or the way I think of the word doctor. It doesn't really apply to a gender for me. I know traditionally that it really does, but I don't really think of it that way. And I think because maybe because I'm an artist and a designer, I kind of think of it more conceptually or because I know that there are a lot of people who are not included in spaces that they deserve to be. And so I'm happy to be a place for them to express that aesthetic in whatever way that they want. Yeah, that's cool. Nice, nice. Um, so for those couples who are going, okay, yes, I get what Hillary's saying. I get that more sustainable fabrics, practices, boutiques 
a better, like, do you have any tips for those people who want to, I guess, extend their little world and make sure that what they're doing as far as buying a wedding gown, bridal attire, whatever you want to call it, you know, how can they extend their impact in that? Well, there are a couple of things that you can do. And I, and I want to preface this by saying buying a garment that you're going to only wear once, if you think about that concept, sounds absolutely wild. Mm. I do not fault somebody for having a wedding look made or buying something for their wedding and only wearing it once. I think that it's about progress over perfection. And it's also about the larger picture. Are you also participating in that mindset in the everyday clothes that you're wearing? Because it feels very different to me. However, <laughs> there are a lot of things that you can do to be more eco-friendly when it comes to your wedding overall and when it comes to your wedding attire. First and foremost is something that I absolutely love. And with some of my brides, before we even begin designing their dress, we talk about what the life of that garment is going to be like after that event. Ooh. I feel like if you're investing in something that is going to be custom made to you, um, it's going to fit you perfectly. Wouldn't you want to wear that again? Yes. So I give them all the options of things that we can do together, right? We can take this garment and alter it in a way that feels more wearable for, you know, maybe not your everyday life, but, but other social situations. Maybe if a gown isn't really appropriate, maybe it becomes shorter. Maybe your sleeve changes. Uh, maybe we remove or add different embellishments. Uh, maybe we dye the gown a completely different color. You know, if this dress is amazing to you in ivory, what if it was emerald green and how much wear you would get out of that after that? So that's a conversation that I'll get into again before even the design process happens. And then something that I have done for a long time is push my brides into the idea of separate. So even if they want kind of the traditional bridal look of, you know, a ball gown or something, I'll push them into kind of the idea of like, well, what if we did a bodysuit? with a ball gown over it so that you can remove the skirt and you can put on a pair of shorts and you're now you're wearing a romper or you can put on a shorter skirt or you can put on a pant and look like you're wearing a jumpsuit. And then at the end of the night, you can take off that bottom and you have like a little lingerie piece. So I love the idea of separate because then that gives them more use out of, instead of it being one garment and being a multi-garment. So then they can take that, you know, maybe shorter tool skirt and wear it with like their favorite band tee and you know a leather jacket or that bodysuit can be like tucked into a pair of trousers with a blazer so there's definitely ways to rewear or repurpose and then of course at the end of the day if that isn't something that is of interest then we can talk about how to preserve your gown so that it can be an heirloom for you to pass down if that feels appropriate yeah hillary like i fucking hate trends I hate the term trends. <laughs> I hate, you know, I just hate that shit mm -hmm. because it just, know. you know, it's so commercialized. It's so you need to get on top of this. You need to purchase this. You need to be that, you know, as far as trends go. But there is a popularity of at the moment and I see a lot of engaged couples talking about it in wedding planning groups on Facebook when they're just going, 
mm, how many outfit changes should I have? Um, and it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Like, what do you mean how many outfit changes? You wear one outfit. What are you, like fucking Beyonce? Like you're not on a world <laughs> tour. You know, right. you're getting married and you're having a celebration. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that and is so, so going, real. That is so real. It's so real. And so they're going, yeah. oh, yeah, well, I'm going to wear this one for the ceremony. Then I'm going to enter with another outfit. And then I'm going to change into my dancing outfit. And then, yeah, I'd like something super cute for when, you know, we get back to the hotel room or whatever. And I get it and it's fun. Yeah, yeah. But it also, like, I'm not 23 anymore. It drives me fucking nuts about the cost, about the expectations for other couples going, oh, shit, is that, is that what's expected? Do my guests, mm-hmm. my friends and family expect me to rock up in a different right. outfit and they're just going to, you know, politely clap as I come in in the new outfit? Right. But just you saying that, Hillary, like just the concept of sitting down and going, okay, with separates, you could do that. You could have all your fashion changes. You could have your outfits, but it's essentially it's it's like one thing that you're adapting, right? Oh, it makes so much more sense. So I definitely agree with you. I never really thought about it as as the Beyonce concert, like you said. That is so wild. I have always thought about changing. Because I regretted not changing at my wedding because I was in this like whole get up, right? <laughs> and I was hot. Hang on. What kind of get up are we talking? When I was getting married, it was really important to me to look like a bride because I'm like happy to have a fashion moment on a Tuesday. I'm happy to have a fashion moment on a Saturday having brunch with my girlfriends. So, I like to wear clothes that some people would think you wear that once and you'll never be, you know, you can never be seen in it again. Can you describe a fashion moment on a Tuesday? What are you wearing? Like, you know, we're on a podcast here. Can you describe? Oh. What what are you talking about? So you're just slaying seven days a week. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that I'm necessarily slaying. I'm not, I'm not going to a Beyonce concert every single day of the week, right? But I'm wearing my clothing. I'm not saving it. I'm not treating it as if it's precious and I'm not allowed to wear it. I wear the things and when they are precious, I take care of them in a way. Or yes, maybe I will have a silk top that can't be washed in a very, you know, in a way that I'm not wearing the shit out of the way that Mm. I'm wearing the shit out of my other clothes. I just wear my clothes and I don't wear them in specific outfits. I also repeat outfits all the time. I play with proportions. Oh, yes. I mean, I think like bonus points to outfit repeaters. I wish people would normalize repeating outfit repeating. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. So what I was saying was that when it came to my wedding, I wanted to look like bride Barbie. Yes. Like I wanted to look like Hillary as a bride. Right. I wanted to be in that costume. I wanted to wear that costume. But for a lot of my brides, um, they don't feel that way and they don't want it to look like they're wearing a costume. They want to look like their version of what a bride is. You were saying that you regretted not changing. So you were bride Barbie. Yeah. Bride Hillary Mm -hmm. Barbie. And I was bride Barbie all night. If you could go back, what would you do now? I would have 
changed after all of the major events at the at the reception. When it came time to just dancing and completely socializing, I would have changed into something more simple and more comfortable, probably an ivory version of my bridesmaids dresses, the dresses that my bridesmaids were wearing. They were very happy with their dresses. And uh and the reason being because I was so hot and the rest of my guests felt comfortable. And so when I was like, turn on the air conditioner, they're like, everybody was complaining it was cold. So that was my thing out of like functionality because I was ready to party and mm-hmm. I was like Marie Antoinette into my, you know, <laughs> into, I was to be seen, you know, I was like that porcelain doll that my grandfather gave me that I was not allowed to play with that sat on my bookshelf my whole childhood right that was me so I would have liked to change for that reason for my own comfort that's my thing so when I talk to my brides about changing that's typically why because they're like but then when I get to the party I want to be able to like move and groove I don't want to have to create a way to like uh, bustle up my dress. I'm like, let's not even bustle up the dress. Let's make that train removable. Yes. Like, let's just think about it more functionally. Let's not put you in a thing that has to be altered to you. Like, let's have what your priority is built into the architecture of whatever you're wearing. So whether that's changing or having removable pieces or, uh, you know, just considering who they are and what they want to be doing for that event. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, I just, I love that so much because I also think that weddings in general, the engagement, the lead up, the pre-wedding events, the wedding, the family's interaction and expectations and stuff like that, thank fuck, but it has slowly become less stringent and less traditional and less you've got to do it this way. And hopefully the entire celebration and rite of passage there is becoming more practical. And so, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, what Mm -hmm. everyone is wearing should be beautiful, functional, practical. Oh, my God, you can participate in your own wedding. Like what a fucking concept. And like Mm -hmm. as you said, not be that little porcelain figure standing there at the corner of the dance floor going, hope you're having fun. And, you know, doing a little royal wave from the corner. Yeah. Like, what do you want your wedding to be? It makes complete sense to me, Hilary. I love it. If you had a sweary, chocolate-addicted, wine-sipping fairy godmother who could help you with your wedding planning, what would you wish for? Perhaps no more waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, wondering what you've forgotten, or fretting about your RSVPs. Maybe no more spreadsheets or post-it notes or endless to-do lists. Well, I can help you with all of that. Websites is an Australian wedding website builder, guest management software, and wedding project planner all in one. Why is this such a game changer for you? Well, imagine everything to do with your wedding being in one place, updated in real time in the cloud, shareable to anyone else that's helping you, password protected for your guests, with notifications to tell you what needs to be done next and by when. It's amazing, right? 
I love how easy websites is to set up and use and how there are no ads on the platform yelling at you to spend more money on your wedding. To get started on your very own free wedding website, just head to websites.com. That's W-E-D-S-I-T-E-S dot com and enter the code UNBRIDELYPOD, that's UNBRIDELYPOD, to get 10% off their paid planning tools. The link is in the show notes. I've seen a lot of people coming out of, you know, lockdown in the past few years, really having spent a lot of time self-examining and self-reflection. And I think that many people, myself included, have decided that like we're just over being so uncomfortable, trying to cram ourselves into a box that was never really made for us to fit in. And whether that be like within our industry and the way that people are choosing to get married now in a way that feels really refreshing, as you said, or if it's in the way that they're choosing to clothe their body. So, you know, really putting uh, first and foremost their priorities. And for many brides now that is expressing who they are and feeling comfortable, you know, in that expression and also feeling comfortable in the actual garment Mm. in a way that I wasn't, right? I have heard through history that whenever there is a massive global shift and change, that the years following are, you know, a boom, not just for, you know, financially and things like that, but a creative boom and a revolutionary boom because people go through those hard times of world wars and, you know, the plague and all these sorts of things and come out the other side and just go, what's the fucking point anyway? Life is short, Mm got to live it. But I love this idea that just because you're having a wedding, you don't have to leave your values and your ethics at the door. You don't have to trade that in for a day to go and consume, 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 that you can, you can still be yourself and still be a bride. Mm -hmm. When you get engaged, you don't sign this contract that you're going to go through this path that's already been created by this overarching system. But I also don't blame people for defaulting to that because as you mentioned, how overwhelming and such a whirlwind the process of getting married can be when it comes to all the decisions that you have to make as well as family dynamics and financial expectations and all of those things. So it can be really hard to feel like you're charting your own path. And I think being able to work with my clients one-on-one to create something that is just for them and their unique body when they're watching something being made from their body out. I just kind of remind them that like, this is about you. This is special. Yeah. And just exactly what you said, Hillary, it's not the outside giving expectations to you and your body. It's your body, you, you're the center focus first. And then the outfit gets built from that. Like just that process makes so much sense. Do you have like a shop front in New York? Because I'm picturing this in my head. Oh, I wish. (laughs) Rent. No, I don't. So I work with clients and I meet them where they're at. I do all of my fittings and meetings in their apartments. Or if they want to meet at a third party location, we can. Or if they're coming in from out of town, we can meet at their hotels. 
because it's really important to me that they are as comfortable as possible. It is such an intimate process that uh, we're going to be taking measurements and fittings and things like that. So I definitely recognize that it can be difficult for people to not have end result in their hand that's tangible that they can agree on. However, most of my brides come to me for one of two reasons. One is that what is in the traditional market doesn't cater to who they are on the inside, that they're not seeing their personal style reflected. And the second is because the traditional market doesn't cater to who they are on the outside, that they're pretending that someone where it's their body and their measurements just doesn't exist. So the whole concept of my business is that it is custom for them. If I have examples to show them, it probably wouldn't be what they wanted anyway. Yeah, um, We're truly creating it from scratch. And some people come to me with a very clear vision. Some people have really no idea. And we just work through it together. And I have had time and time again, brides have said the same thing, which is the biggest and most impactful compliment that they can give me, which is it looks exactly like the sketch. It looks exactly like you told me to. I've had almost every single bride say that to me. We start with the sketch and many times it looks exactly like the sketch, but I've had brides come to me and, uh, you know, feel a kind of way about their arms. And so they say that they probably want sleeves on their wedding dress and I definitely want to validate their feelings, but I try to get down to the reason why. Do you like sleeves or do you feel like you have to wear sleeves because of the messaging that you've received? And, you know, maybe it's a combo, both. Mm. So sometimes when we're in the first muslin fitting, we have a dress with full length sleeves. And by the time we get to the final garment, it's a sleeveless dress. But your ability to communicate what it is that you do and what you're bringing to them must give them so much confidence that you've got their back essentially Mm -hmm. and the collaboration as well between sort of okay I'm thinking this I'm feeling that and then you translating that into a design but you must also be a bit of a counsellor in a way to have to dig below what they think they should have versus what they actually want I mean man what a process can I ask like what the average lead time is for you Hillary? So I have some brides that come to me a year to nine months out the way that they think they have to do within the traditional market when they're like ordering a wedding dress from a boutique, right? And so the process is a little bit stretched out, but I can turn a dress around in as little as eight weeks because I not only source everything here in New York, but I make everything here in New York. My my team is here. Um, I'm not having to worry about like customs and doing things overseas and not having control over the design process or having to have like, you know, long lead times like that. But that's also got to be helpful for the environmental impact as well. You're not going internationally. There's not that transport. There's not that extra Mm -hmm. time. That's all going to be adding up there. So for these couples who are going, Hillary's making complete sense to me. I want to make sure that you know, if I can't get my ass to New York to, you know, get her to make something for me, that I want to, mm-hmm. you know, have a similar experience like this. What would you mm-hmm. say to those brides? You know, how can they really express themselves personally and, you know, with their values and everything else? Like, mm-hmm. what can they do if they don't have you? <laughs> sure. So I guess I would have them first decide from the beginning how they want to look and feel that day. 
and really prioritize that when they're looking for something new to wear. Does it need to be the traditional bridal gown or can it be separates that you piece together? Can it be a hand-me-down or an heirloom that you take to your local seamstress or tailor and have it reworked, you know, from your grandmother or your mother's dress, if that's something that's important to you or an item that you thrift, you can do that as well. But if they're going the traditional gown route, there's other things that they can be doing for their wedding and for their look overall. One thing is borrow the fucking accessories from your friends and family no one is like saving their veil to just walk around the house and do their chores, yes. right? So, what like, do people do with veils after their wedding? They ball them up. They oh. ball them up and shove them. And let me tell you, veils are extremely overpriced and marked up so much. Mm. Do not buy a veil. If you're just going for a simple tool veil, somebody in your network has to have a veil that you can wear. The shoes. You're never going to wear a bridal pump ever again. So if you want something that feels really traditional, you can have them dyed afterward, especially if they're silk. They can be dyed really easily, but you can also dye synthetics or just buy a cool shoe that you're going to wear again. Wait a minute, Hillary. Are you giving people permission to get the shoes they really want that they can wear on Tuesday and Saturday brunches? I hope you do. I want you to. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that is such an issue with, with the way that people are shopping for their weddings and the way people are shopping in general is that they are either thinking of their clothes as something that is disposable or they are buying things that they feel like are special. And since I'm only going to wear this once, I'm not going to buy this like high quality garment because I'm only going to wear it once. So let me just buy some sort of fast fashion bullshit wear it once and then I'll have a closet full of bride costumes from every single event I went to over the past year that I'm never going to wear again. Yeah. So I think that people need to really rethink and reframe the way that they think about clothing. And instead of thinking, this is something that I will never be able to wear again, think of like, how can I wear this again? Like what other areas of my life can I wear this again? And if you are going to be spending hundreds of dollars on your wedding shoes, buy those dope ass shoes that you're coveting that are like in an awesome color, like an incredible brand that you're going to wear again and again that feel like very timeless, but feel very like um, timeless, but also like other time. You're going to be like, these were my wedding shoes. And I'm like wearing them to other things. I don't know. It's like, we got to be better. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. got to be better. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. Like necessity is demanding of us at the moment to make some smarter choices. And I feel like it's on everyone's head. It really is. You know, we can yell and scream at our governments about, you know, getting rid of fossil fuels earlier, of bringing in renewables, of bringing in, the, you know, more electric cars, but what are we doing? How are we consuming? It really does need to start at home for us. And I think you're right. I don't think we have to go out and buy Hessian sacks and start wearing them around and go, oh, I've accessorized it with a belt. Like it doesn't have to be extreme, does it? You know, Mm -hmm. it can just be a reframe of 
what you're thinking and what you're considering before you press that bloody button on your phone to mm-hmm. go, yes, mm-hmm. send a cart, yes, purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that, Hillary. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and listener, you've gotten the permission. Go and buy those shoes. You know the ones. Is there anything else that you want to pass on, Hillary, about, yeah, sustainable weddings about just, I don't know, thinking a little bit deeper, I guess. I guess what I would like to share, like, don't let like major life events like your wedding be an exception to the things that you care about in your daily life. Um, Make them be a spotlight for it. So if people are, are caring about these things and are realizing how wasteful this event is becoming, some things that they can think about are What's going to happen to the things that you're purchasing after the event is over? Where is your excess food going? Is your florist going to compost your flowers or are they just going to be disposed of, right? Is something that your vendor is offering reusable or is it all disposable? You know, if there's ways that you can coordinate with your venue for deliveries, if there's another event going on that week where things can be doubled up. I mean, these are just things that can be a little bit more efficient and more mindful, um, but can make an impact. And, um, you know, I think that, again, during these major life events, it can feel like an exception to these things. Or as I said before, I don't really fault people for kind of defaulting to these things, but there's a lot that we can do in our regular life to normalize this kind of thing and to share that you're doing it because although it may not make a massive impact that you don't buy a, another veil, right? It can make an impact that you share on social. Like I wore my sister's veil. This is how she wore it. This is how I wore it. It actually felt really special to to wear something that she wore on her wedding and if any of my friends or family or followers wants to borrow this veil for their wedding, reach out and just normalize it and make it like, like a cool thing to do. And it will have such a bigger ripple effect. You know, what I like to do just as a person and as a fashion designer is say that, like, I can't imagine a time where the production of clothing is going to be good for the earth. I mean, I like to say I'm a sustainable brand, but sustainable just means something that I can maintain over time. But I think in our regular lives, you know, the things that you can do are simple, but they're super unsexy. They're the things that people don't want to hear, like Mm -hmm. wearing the clothing that you already own, repairing and repurposing your damaged items, only donate clothing that is in good condition and research the organizations that you're donating your clothing to, because many of the biggest organizations are contributing to this global clothing climate crisis only buy things when they're in the highest of quality and you can get a lot of use out of them. Stop buying clothing from companies. You know who the company is that I'm thinking of. Stop buying clothing from companies that are exacerbating this problem and willfully engaging in unethical labor practices for their workforce. It's not fun. It's not sexy, but these are the things that we can be doing in our everyday life. And um, if you're going to be investing your money, invest it in repairing your clothing season after season and in high quality garments. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's great, Hillary. And so if anyone is lucky enough to find themselves in New York, where can they find you? If you are in New York 
or if you are close to me and you want to chat, just reach out. You can DM me on Instagram at hil.an.del or at hillandell.com and we can set up a little consultation. I work mostly with local brides, but I do have brides that have reached out from Canada and other places in the U.S. Um, And I think that a lot of people have heard of New York City and a lot of people are eager to travel here. So I, you know, they're excited to come for the July meeting and fittings when, when the opportunity arises or we can arrange for me to come to them. For sure. And I completely forgot to ask... What's yeah. next for you, Hillary? What's next for Hillandale? People have been asking for a long time if I'm willing to do occasion wear. And currently I'm working with a client who is just going super hard for her 40th birthday. She's like, I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. It's my 40th birthday and I want to go out, go all the way out, right? So I um, am expanding into occasion wear because truly at the core, I just want to make cool shit for cool chicks and just like connect with women. I love working with women and I love making creative things for them. I would also love to see people celebrating milestones in their lives the way that they celebrate the joining of their relationship. So whether that's getting married, getting divorced, getting a new job, quitting your job, moving to a new city. I feel like we should be really celebrating ourselves and and one another. And you don't deserve a custom garment or a beautiful gown or those shoes because you've decided to marry someone, right? You deserve them because you deserve them. Correct. Yeah. Can I ask Hillary, like if someone who doesn't identify as female and they came to you and they really wanted to be dressed up by you, would that be okay? That would be my fucking dream. (laughs) Of course. Yes. The answer is yes. I would just say as a caveat, I am not a menswear designer. So if you are looking for a suit that is not in my wheelhouse, but I am happy to dress all bodies and make cool things that are within my wheelhouse I'm yes oh I get it I get it because those skirts they're so fucking cool they're really really lovely if you haven't seen them yet I'll have to put uh your website and Instagram in the show notes as well Hillary of course but yeah go in there and have a look at the capsule collection there which is these beautiful chill skirts they're sort of they go down to like knees don't they Roughly. Mm-hmm. They're like and a midi length. Yeah. Midi, exactly. And they're, mm-hmm. yeah, these gorgeous chul, all these wonderful colours as well. So, yeah, go and have a look at those. Yeah, is there anything else that you want to get across, Hillary? Actually, you know what? I do want to say something. Yeah. I didn't realise this, but in 2022, Australia was ranked number one for the least polluting country on the globe. What? <laughs> she spits out her water. Okay. <laughs> that can't be right. Statistic that I saw, and I was so impressed, and so I wrote it down to share with you. Holy shit. Google it and look it up yourself. But I was saying, like, what is the most polluting country? What is the least polluting country? I think the U.S. is number two. I think Australia is at the bottom. They're, you're the best. And then I also want to say, again, this is another thing that I don't really... <laughs> That I'm like bringing up maybe the, this fake information. But somewhere in the back of my brain, Australians have this 
hold over the wedding industry. Anytime that I see something that's going on that's cool or innovative, it's always Australian. Whether it's like people I'm seeing online that are posting cool things or like designers doing things that seem like cool and innovative and refreshing. I'm like, oh, they're in Australia. That's, yeah, that's cool. And that's what I want to send you off with. So you give me a good edit on this show. so yeah if you don't want to go to new york come down to australia check it out because they're killing it but i think um you know with the deepening of social media like we're seeing a lot more of what all countries are doing and i kind of love that I, i would like to think that there's a growing empathy globally for not only what we're doing in weddings and appreciation for creatives across the waters. You know, we don't have to do what has always been done before. And I think it's about sharing these ideas and realizing that whatever path your parents have told you that you should be on or just, you know, through osmosis, just through environmental impacts of living in a certain place, in a certain country, you don't have to go that way, especially if your internal self is screaming, fuck no. you got to follow that voice, whether it's your Mm -hmm. wedding day or any other day of the week. And Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that's what I I see that in you, Hillary. You just go, this is what's right for me, making cool shit for cool people. That's your niche. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. (laughs) Do what we can, Hillary. Do what we can. Thank you so much for your time. So great talking to you. Thank you so much. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Unbradley podcast. For the links and resources we mentioned, please head to the show notes. And if you love the show, please review and subscribe on the podcast platform you're on now so you don't miss out on a single episode. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, weddings are a team sport. Catch you soon.